You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject you've tuned in to hear from is Glenn Hughes. Glenn's been in far too many projects to mention, but of course we all know his name if you're a serious rock and metal fan. The reason for the conversation is to talk up his September and October 2017 shows in Australia. So let's have a listen to what Glenn has to say. Here we go. What can, I say to, what can possibly be said to a bloke with such a critically revered catalogue of music so you have a catalogue of music if, um, I don't know whether you've been keeping pace, but it's 50 years, mate, across multiple genres, multiple bands and collaborators and so many important yeah. and integral musicians and artists. So I want to offer you a heartfelt congratulations. As I've already mentioned, mate, you are loved here in Australia. Thank you. I mean, You're right. I mean, you know, for me, Australia is somewhere where some of my relatives moved to when I was a child. And some of my friends moved to when I was a kid. And then, of course, you know, I was playing there in Deep Purple in... 75 and uh, in December and it was an epic actually I played Sunbury Music Festival in early February 75 yeah which was pretty epic and and you know for me you know I have a kind of a love affair with Australia ever since I was there all those years ago so it was for me important to to come back you know I've been back about four or five times and each time for me it's been hang on really epic and I really love it yeah fantastic so mate when you when you look back when your career started and I believe it was all the way it was in 1968 with the single Sadie the Cleaning Lady which I think Johnny Farnham one of our Uh in Australia also you know you know Andrew I I never sang on that damn song I think John Farnham may have recorded that song I certainly did not Um, I was in a band that you know you, you know something I did record it like, we didn't actually play on the song. We kind of sang it. Yep. Back in the 60s in, in, in London, they had session musicians playing the tracks, you know. Mm-hmm. I hate to break the bubble for everybody, but, <laughs> you know, because it, the 60s were a different period. So, But that song, Sadie the Damn Cleaning Lady, is like, what? You did what now? Yes. You really did that song? I think I, I might have been 15 or something. But, um, yeah, you can hear me, you know, yipping Sadie in the background. Okay. Wow, what, a, what an introduction to a music career, huh? It was. Well, mate, who would have thought that along the way you'd also, well, of course, I think with your enormous talent, it was obvious that it was eventually going to happen, but you're inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Deep Purple, and I will ask your opinion on that because there's a lot of conjecture about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame amongst rock fans and critics, you know, its relevance and the like. However, I believe yeah. it's, it's a momentous accolade to receive. So what are your thoughts on the Hall and it, it, You know, I'm a huge I'm a huge sports fanatic fan. I'm huge. You know, I mean, you know, of course, you know, English, you know, European football, yep. South American football, of course. Uh, you know, and, and boxing and, and cycling and swimming and all kinds of Sports and basketball and, and, and um, you know, it, 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 American football. So, and the Hall of Fame started out being a sports, you know, genre. Yep. And now it's in the arts too. Now, now it's, you know, sort of you've got the Oscars and, you know, the Academy, you know, Academy Awards. Um, but now it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's in music, yes. and especially rock and roll. And, and to be inducted into this grand institution that has not been around I think it's been around, what, I don't know, 40, 40 years now. Yep. Um, and to be one of only 157 artists 
to be included in this Hall of Fame is a huge thing, you know, in America. So to be part of that place where my boyhood heroes, the Beatles, who I wouldn't know I was going to actually meet at one point and befriend Ringo, mm. um, up there I'm in, in this place with, with, with heroes of mine. And, and he, uh, when I was a child and to be in this hall with my, uh, my old bandy purple is a, kind of a huge thing. Because I'm still a fan of, um, of, of, of musicians, you know, famous or not famous. I just love music. And to be included in this, this category with these, with these guys and girls is really uh, beautiful. Yeah, wonderful. And, and another question I've got for you, and this is a question I don't think I've ever seen you. Uh, you might have addressed this in interviews that aren't online, but, you know, the first time I ever heard you was through your collaboration with the KLF way back in 1991 on uh, What mm. Time Is Love. Now, of course, I remember the track, and I was wondering who the deep voice that was providing the narration belonged to way back then. So that was my introduction to you, as I've said. But what can you tell us about I don't know. I, you know, I never got to... I, I, got, I did the video clip uh, with them at, at uh, Shepperton Studios, hmm. and I did, get, I, did, I did get to meet the actor. Um, I didn't really know who he was. You know, I, think he, I don't know if he was famous or not. I, if fame is a word that I never normally use because it doesn't make, make, make any sense to me. Hmm. But the, the clip itself and the song was an epic song in, in, I think it was number one in like 18 countries. Massive song. And yeah. that was the thing that got me back that was the thing that sort of drew, drew me back into to making music again after a 10-year absence, pretty much. Although I wasn't absent in the 80s, I just don't remember the 80s. Mm. And when I came back in 91, when I came back in 91, um, it was kind of an epic thing to do the KLF. It was a pretty weird, glorious rock, you know, dance groove, acid house kind of track. So... Mm. I've always liked to tick the boxes of other genres, you know. I've always liked to do things a little out of the box. And long may that continue. Mm. Another collaborator that I, I don't... I will ask you this. Did you work with J.K. Lee in the studio or was it something that you did separately and you sort of mailed in the different parts? Because my favourite track of yours or your perform, my favourite performance of yours on a track is on Get Down, Make Love from uh, the cover of the song from Queen's News of the World. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so I'm a bass player. Oh, you know, there's so many damn... uh... Okay, so... I love that. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I did that. I think I did that some like 20 years ago. Um, You know, everybody's got their own little piece of Glenisms they like, you know. And Mm. when you say, I I have to go, oh, my God, I I actually did that. So I've done so many many recordings, and I've, I've been so honored and grateful to... To still do what I do, I mean, it's been almost 50 years I've been making records, you know, and so, you know, uh, I'm just really grateful to still have that. The gift that was freely given to me is so important, and I, I want to give it back, you know, I want to give it back to those people that, that love music. Well, I mentioned I'm a bass player, and I do love your bass playing, and frankly, I feel you're an extraordinarily underrated bass player. I think most people know you, of course, for your wonderful vocal contribution, but, mm-hmm. you know, your bass playing is very rocky, but as far as I'm concerned, and I'm a bit of a funk and jazz guy at heart, you're a, you're definitely a funk guy as well, yeah. and you really understand rhythm I am, and groove. I am. Yeah. yeah. I am. You know, it's been said, it's not by me, it's been said by people that if you didn't, if you like, you know, because 
they, 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 everybody talks about my voice, which is I'm so happy about. But it's like one of the guys that works with me says, you know, people really should listen to the way you play bass because mm. people mm. just listen to the voice, and I'm really happy that they do. And but I really love playing R&B and 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 and, and rock music. I think when you mix R&B and rock music together, and you throw in some some things that I do, it, it's it's very aggressive, but it's got that R&B root, you know. It's got that Detroit Tamla Motown thing. Mm. So, yeah, a lot of lot of James Jamison um, playing. Well, I was just saying, I did a, I did um, a, a, a memorable evening, a, a James James Jamison tribute with my friend Stevie Wonder about four years ago, and I was the only white bass player out of sixty bass players that came to do the sh- session, you know, and, and it was like. <laughs> Here I am, you know, bowing to the altar of James Jameson. I look around the room and I'm going, oh, my God, I think I'm the only white bloke here. <laughs> and I'm going, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking around the room at these insane bass players and, all, uh, the, and the band led by my friend Stevie Wonder. And it was a great, great moment for me to, to, to be standing on stage with these incredible bass players, Nathan East, you know, and, and all these incredible... R&B guys, you know. Yeah, wonderful, mate. James Jameson Jr. So yeah. what um what sort of what sort of basses are you using in 2017? Oh, good grief. Um I'm still using a lot of um old Fenders, you know, a lot of a 57P, 62J, other other two ones I use a lot on records. Um and you know, um I don't normally travel some people do travel with their antiques, you know. Mm. Um, I don't normally travel with them, so I, I play Bill Nash basses, and that are actually they look and sound very, very, very close to vintage Fenders, uh, incredibly so, you know. So I don't want to fool anybody when they see me with an old bass. It's yep. probably a relic or something, or a replica of something that I have that's been made into something that looks very similar. I would like to tell you the real story, and I just did because if I told you that I was traveling yeah, with my with my antique, oh, it'd be, be wrong, you know. But I love playing the bass, and then um, it's it's the sole purpose of uh, of uh, the groove is so important to me. The groove is so damn important. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. I'm really happy. To, uh, You're one of the few uh, rock bass like that. players that really know how to work the offbeat, in my opinion. Thank you. <laughs> I always like to stay behind and the beat, and it's. Uh, I say it's the notes I do not play that are more important than the notes I play. Yes. Now, some of my dear friends, bass playing friends, are very, very quick with their. You know, they're doing their their hammer-ons and they're doing their guitar virtuoso skills on the bass. Although I do like to play up top, you know, it's like I, I like to play down the bottom end. I really am into the groove and. It's the notes I don't play are more important than the notes I play. It's a it's a, just a groove based thing. What's your what's your favorite bassline or or what song has your favorite bassline that you've created? Woo! Um, I think uh, Coffee and Vanilla off of uh, Feel. Mm. That's got a great great bass groove to it i mean i mean i mean you can even like sail away from deep purple that bass that riff is something i came up with back in the day and and even in purple i brought it with me you know and Mm. and 
I mean, I could name 10 songs that are in the rock genre that I wrote that are very much, th I was thinking about Detroit as I was writing them, you know. Off of my new album, there's a song called Heavy and My Town, and they're, and they're very heavy songs, but they're very, very groove-orientated. Mm. And getting tighter from Come, Come Taste the Band, Deep Purple, I wrote it with Tommy Boland. That's got a, a badass groove to it, you know. And you keep on moving that, that down, bum, bum, it's very, very Detroit. And, um, mm. yeah, that's where I live, Do you in, think... that, in, that, in that realm. Do you think if you were born in the States that you would have had a career as an R&B crooner and singer as opposed to, of course, your birthplace in England and becoming a rock guy? Well, before I joined Purple, I'd made an album with my band Trapeze called You Are The Music, We're Just A Band, and it was the last rock album I made. It was starting, I was starting to get really intensified with jazz and, and, and groove and, and, and R&B back in 1972. And then, of course, when I joined Purple, I went to sort of go back into the rock pack. And I realized that, number one, you know, I'm a white man. That I don't, I mean, I, I'm very honored to have been joined Deep Purple. And, but I, I was never going to be able to convince people that the only band of, uh, it, it, that really ticked the boxes that were white, that actually had that real... R&B sound was the average white band back in mm -hmm. 1973 or yes. four, you know. So for me, you know, mixing R&B, you know, really intense Tamil Motown music with with rock music is something that is part of Glenn Hughes. It's it's who I am. It's mm. you know, it's I can't hide from it. If I try and hide from it, you'll know that I'm hiding, and it's, you can't do it. So I got to be exactly who I am. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's talk about you then for a moment and exactly who you are. I do have three questions that I ask all of my interview subjects, Glenn, so I'd love it if you could humor me here and yeah. play along. So here's the first of oh, the, yeah. the three questions. If you could choose three words to describe yourself, what would they be? <clears throat> Sensitive. Mm -hmm. Emotional. And calm. Sensitive, emotional, and calm. Okay, great three choice of words there. And um, here's the big one. Yeah, here's, here's... That's, that's, that's coming from my soul. I mean, I don't want to say aggressive, you know, angst, angry and, and stupid. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> where I'm at in my life, I've got to remain that. If I'm, you know, calm and sensitive and emotional, then, I'm, then I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, no, good point. And uh, look, on that note, if you could go back to when you were 18 years of age, what advice do you think you'd give yourself? Um, well, you know, back in... 18 was a, was a good year for me. Because uh, I didn't start going off the rails until a while later. But for me, all through my teens, you know, from, from 13 to 19, it was only about one thing. That was just becoming a better musician and a better person and a better singer and a better... And to learn about life and the planet, you know, I would, I would, I'm a scholar. I like to think I, I could go back and, 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 and learn more about everything. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I like to do. I like to read books and I've always been a bookworm, yep. but I think I'd like to go back and, 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 and do it all over again. I don't think I've had in, in, in my life, I've done some things that were, were wrong. If you, if you, if I can say that, mm -hmm. but the things I did wrong, I've learned so much of my, about myself because of the things that 
that were wrong. So um, they may have been right for some people, but mm. I've, done, I've learned by every mistake you can imagine, you know. I wouldn't want to change any of those mistakes because it's made me the person I am right now. Yeah, great response, mate, and I appreciate your candor on that one there. So, so here's my final question mm-hmm. of, the, of the discussion. If you could invite five guests from any time in history, living or dead, to a dinner, who would you invite? Uh, William Blake. Mm, okay, great. Jim yeah. Morrison. Yep. My friend David Bowie. Yes. Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And to top it all off, Winston Churchill. Got to have a Brit thrown in there. That you do. That's a very diverse list. And, uh, yeah, I was just watching Twin Peaks, you know, the new version of Twin Peaks the other night, and much to my surprise, and yeah. right, David made yeah. an appearance, yeah. No, I know. I, I miss him so much. And um, it was uh, terrible for all of us when he passed. And he was uh, an icon to the whole world, but he was my mate, you know. And, uh, He's your buddy, yeah. yeah it was yeah. devastating for all of us. All of us. Have you got a quick story that you could share that happened between yourself and David? Some some sort of funny anecdote? Well, he he moved into my home in, uh, in March of 75. And um, he went in my closet and threw out all my, all my, uh, you know, flare pants and snakeskin boots. And he um, told me to change. He said, "Don't, don't stay the same. Always, you know, keep reinventing." Mm. I was a little bit upset with the the behaviour of my buddy, Uh, but I now I understand why he did it, and um, I thanked him for that years later. But he wanted me to keep reinventing and reestablishing who I am as an artist and as a man, you know. So I've never really stayed in the same complete genre all my whole life. I've always been changing and always been not frightened to to do something new and different, you mm. know. Yes. Like the KLF and stuff like that, or yep. working with opera singers or or or, 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 or orchestras, you know. Mm. Uh, I love to do orchestral work. But thanks to David, who came into my life like a whirlwind and uh, just basically said, throw it all out, throw it all out and start again. Throw it all out and start again. I can still hear him saying it. Hmm. Well, thanks very much, mate. I better let you go to your next interview. What I can tell you, though, mate, it's been an honour and a privilege for me. Thank you so much for the discussion. And, uh, yeah, all the very best. And I will definitely be in the crowd when you tour Australia. Come on. and, And thank you so much, Andy. Nice to meet you. No worries, mate. Okay, all the best. You're welcome, bro. Thank you. Thank you so much. No worries. Okay. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Glenn Hughes. Thank you so much for listening.